As we get into the word today, um, we are going to look at some different uh, reasons to get excited uh, for Christmas. Um, so uh, this season that we're entering, what do people usually call it? Does anybody remember the name? There's a specific name some people refer to this season as outside of the holidays or Christmas. Does anybody know? Yeah. That starts with an A sometimes. Advent. Advent. Does anybody know what Advent stands for? Adventure? It does not stand for, it does not stand for Adventure. Anybody, any guesses? Yeah, so Advent uh, is a season of waiting, right? It stands for a season of waiting and preparation for something to come. So in particular, uh, Advent is the season of waiting uh, for the coming of Jesus. Uh, it's the waiting for uh, his first coming, but it's also the waiting for his second coming as well, right? And so we're going to jump into the Christmas story um, in Luke chapter 2. So if y'all can grab your Bibles and please flip uh, to Luke chapter 2. And uh, we're going to be reading, uh, I guess as I mentioned, from Luke. Um, and uh, we're going to be jumping into the story a little bit after some things have happened, right? So... I'm going to give some quick context of what's happened. So before we get to chapter 2, Angel has already visited uh, Mary. And what does the angel tell Mary? She's going to get pregnant. With who? Jesus. The angel also visits somebody else. Actually, multiple people. Who's another person uh, another angel visits? Bible scholar, you're not Bible scholar. Who is another person an angel visits apart from Mary? Yeah, Joseph. What, 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 why does the angel visit Joseph? That's part of it. Yeah, so, right, so we know the story. Angel comes to Mary, tells her you're going to give birth. Um, and yeah, you're going to give birth. And Joseph is supposed to marry, um, marry Mary, right? And, well, he was just told that his soon-to-be wife is now pregnant, and, you know, he's not the father. <laughs> and so, and it's like, that's pretty skeptical. And so an angel visits Joseph to basically tell him, like, hey, your uh, wife has actually been pregnant um, because of the Holy Spirit, and so you should stay with her. Don't run away. And so uh, you got confirmation to Joseph. And who's another person who gets some confirmation? From, uh, a visitation comes from an angel. To someone, right? It's Zachariah, his wife is Elizabeth, and uh, they basically tell them that, like, you are also going to give uh, birth to someone, and that person is going to prepare the way. Amen? Yes, sir. Um, and the wise men also get uh, some, some level of confirmation. So there's all these things that are saying Jesus is about to come. Your Messiah, who you've been waiting for, is about to come, and there's confirmation of that. And so we're going to jump into the story at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. So can somebody volunteer to read that for us? Oh, there we go. Chelsea. Thank you. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while... Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
everyone, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there were no guest room available for them. Amen. 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 Thank you for reading that. Let's pray and let's jump in. Uh, Lord, we thank you for today. Um, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. Uh, we thank you, uh, Lord, uh, that we get to celebrate Advent. Uh, we get to celebrate, um, we get to remember uh, your birth, and we also get to remember your second coming. So I pray, Lord, that you would prepare every heart uh, for the word that you have for today, um, and that you would help us to focus, uh, trusting that you have something for us. In your son's name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, okay, cool. So we just got this uh, little rundown here um, of uh, the birth of Jesus. And so how does it start, right? We have um, a decree by someone. What was that person's name? Hey. Who was the decree by in the beginning of this chapter? Caesar. Yeah, Caesar, right? Caesar is the, he's probably one of the most powerful men, if not the most powerful man um, in the world at this time because he is the ruler of the Roman Empire, which is the one that's it's, it's the top dog, <laughs> right, at this time. Um, and so... Uh, to, to collect taxes, he's like, everybody go back to your home and we're gonna do a census to count you so that we can properly charge you, right? And so uh, at this point, uh, Joseph has to take his super pregnant wife from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem uh, where he is from and where his people are from. And Bethlehem is this tiny little town um, and it's about uh, 70 miles away. And so it's, it's a hike, right? It's a hike, it's a, it's a journey. Um, to get there, and he gets there um, in this little town of Bethlehem. And this wasn't like random. This isn't random that Caesar, this most powerful man in the world, makes this decree. You know what's important about the fact that this like decree just happened to come around the time of Jesus' birth? Does anybody know the significance of that? Right? So, the Messiah has been promised to the Jews for a long time, right? It's like, hey, you are going to go through all of these things and someone is going to come and save you. And so in the Old Testament, there are a whole bunch of prophecies about the coming Messiah. And one of them is in Micah chapter 2, verse 5. It says, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from old and ancient times. Right, So there's this like prophecy that's spoken over Jesus and where he will come. But it's like, yo, Joseph is living his life in Nazareth, doing his thing. And just, you know, they got this word from the Lord about this son they're about to have. And it's like, okay, like, we'll, we'll make that happen. But the Lord knows ahead of time that for people to know that this child is actually from him, he has to fulfill a prophecy. And that won't happen if uh, he's born in Nazareth, where they were. And so this king, um, Caesar, right, this ruler makes this decree. It feels like it's out of random, but it's actually in line with God's will to have Jesus be born in Nazareth. And so they bring their child to Nazareth. And what happens? Right. They start 
you know, so Joseph is from Nazareth. It tells us that he's from the town of David, right? And so it means that he has folks in probably in Nazareth. And Nazareth is a tiny town, and everybody has to come down uh, for uh, essentially the census. And so this town is full. It is packed with people, like everybody and their mom is there. Like literally, like everybody and their mom is like probably there, right? And so uh, Joseph comes with his wife and, and uh, with his soon-to-be wife, and they are looking for a place to stay, right? And, and what does the Bible tell us? It tells us that when they were going, um, for looking for a place to stay, um, it looked like they didn't, <laughs> they didn't find one. I, the place was full. Um, and they, uh, they didn't have room for Jesus. They did not have room for Jesus. And so we, we learned that Jesus ends up being born um, in the most, like in, in a pretty inconvenient place. So a lot of your Bibles will use the word in, or they will use the word, um, they'll just say there was not space left um, in the house or something along those lines. Um, and I think all of us kind of have that image of like the nativity scene. It's like in front of our church. It's probably in front of like some people's like yards. Um, and that's like the visual that we have. Uh, the word in that's used there is actually the same that's used as upper room, like later, like the upper room that's used for the Last Supper. And so um, the up, like in, in general, in Jewish culture, there is uh, a big emphasis on hospitality. And so if people are coming in from all around, there is this assumption that people are going to be hospitable to them. They're gonna go out of their way to be hospitable to these people. And so there's usually a guest room that's set aside and it's usually the nicest room in the house and you give it to your guest. And so when it says that there was no inn, it's really referring to like, there was no nice guest room in people's homes to take in Mary and Joseph. And so we learn that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords uh, basically has to get, um, it, uh, Mary gives birth to Jesus in a place that has animals. Right, it has a it's a place, and they they place him in a manger outside. Has anybody ever been to like a farm with like animals? Like, like he, what was the vibe? Describe the vibe to me. Like, what was what? A stank? Yeah, it's stank. It, it, it's actually like a pretty rancid place to be. It's it's not great. So any other? What was, what was the vibe check at a, a a farm? That's yes. Like they just animals don't have toilets, right? And so. We have this promise that's given to Mary and Joseph about this baby, and it's been confirmed over and over again, and they are being obedient to what the Lord has called them to, and they end up uh, ready to give birth to this child that's supposed to literally be the king of kings and lord of lords, and then all of a sudden, it's like he gets given birth to in the major where there's no space for him. But we know that this was done by God to fulfill a purpose um, that he had uh, for his son. And so today, uh, in the same way that the entire um, town of Bethlehem did not make room for Jesus, we're going to talk about today how sometimes we don't make room for Jesus, how sometimes we don't create space for Jesus. Uh, as it relates especially to this season, um, What's really interesting is that uh, Micah, like the uh, the verse, uh, the verse Micah, not not my dog Micah. Um, the verse Micah. We have a dog named Micah, and so it gets really weird when like like people refer to him as Micah because like it's a prophet. Anyway, so back in Micah, there's this promise given to Bethlehem 
Um, and so you would think that like, if a promise is given to your little town that some baby is about to be born there and that's gonna change the face of like humanity, you would think they would like anticipate that, right? Like you would think that it's like, yo, in uh, Ebenezer Presbyterian Church, some kid's gonna be born and like, when that kid is born, like, like things are gonna go crazy and like everybody's going to have a great time. Everybody who's like, every, every time somebody gets pregnant at this church, people will be like, yo, like, is that the kid? Like, is that the kid? Is that the kid? Right, you'd be anticipating something. Yet in this town of Bethlehem, right, even though that there was this prophecy that was given to them that your savior will literally be born in this town, a pregnant woman shows up ready to give birth at people's doors and they are not ready, right? They are not ready. And so we are going to look into what that looks like for us to not be always ready for what the Lord has for us in this season. Um, so very often as Christians, uh, what do we say the reason for the season is? We're like, yo, what's the reason for the season? Hey. Like, what's the reason for the season? Yeah, so it's Christmas season. What's the reason? Like, what's the reason for, huh? <laughs> she said Jesus. It is Jesus. Um, it is Jesus. So we say Jesus is the reason for the season. And sometimes, like, some Christians get really, like, upset about certain things around this time where it's like, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. And so, like, we have to use the correct words, right? So they're like, yo, forget this thing with, like, happy holidays. We're going to say Merry Christmas. Like, forget Merry Xmas. We're going to say Merry Christmas. And Christians would be like, yeah, like, we are fighting for Christmas. We're fighting for the purpose of Christmas. And honestly, there's nothing wrong with desiring for Christmas to be about Christ. But the thing is, it's like, the devil is really crafty, and he does this thing over and over with uh, Christians where he makes us think that we're actually doing something when in reality, like, we're not. And so all of these people, uh, often Christians around this time, will get very, like, passionate about the need for people to use the right terminology around Christmas and be like, Jesus is the reason for Christmas. We must say the word Christmas. Um, but then they will walk away from that argument and nothing about their life shows that they are truly, like, they're truly expecting anything from Christmas. Like nothing about their life looks different. So even in this season as we're all excited for Christmas, we're all excited for that, I want you to really ask yourself, like what about Christmas are you actually excited for, right? Like there are festivities, families will get together. Like these are all good things, but it is very possible for each and every person in this room to expect Christmas, but not expect Christ, right? You will expect the things that come with Christmas, but you will not expect the things that come from Christ. And so you will actually fool yourself into thinking that you are fighting for Christmas when in reality, you're just fighting for yourself. You're fighting for the gifts you're gonna get. You're fighting for the things that will come, right? And, and so in, in this season where we're looking forward to Christmas, it's really important to shift our focus to focus on the Christ of which Christmas is about. Right? The Christ in the Christmas that we keep fighting for, that we keep saying, hey, don't say happy holidays, hey, don't say Merry Christmas, like say Christmas, that Christ needs to do something more than your words in your life, right? It needs to do a lot more <laughs> than uh, those words in your life. And so um, there's actually this uh, song by uh, KB, who like he calls out this line, um, this, this phenomenon, 
Uh, that happens. Uh, that happens among Christians a lot. Um, and yeah, he has a line, um, and that line says, um, "People don't care. You keep Christ in the Christ. People don't care. You keep Christ in your Christmas if they cannot see there is Christ in the Christian." It's a bar. You know, it's a, it's, it's a pretty it's a grace. But I heard that, and I was like, "Wow, that's that's a good one." Let me repeat that. Right? Uh, people don't care. You keep Christ in your Christmas. If they cannot see that there's Christ in the Christian. Um, and I'm going to just play it because it's great. It's a great bar. Um, and so we're going to look at why we often fall into this dilemma and what we can do about it. Right, because to leave Christmas and not actually focus on Christ um, is to really just like use His birthday as an excuse for ourselves, um, and we don't want to put um, we don't want to put that we don't we don't want that to be our posture entering into this season. Um, and so, am I making sense here? Like, my goal here is not to like put put down people being like excited for Christmas or like excited for this season, because honestly, like this is like the best season in the world. Like, we get to celebrate the best thing in the world. But it's important that we do it from the right place. And so, um, again, we come back to this little town in Bethlehem where there is no space for Jesus. And so we learn that this child ends up growing up. Um, he ends up uh, around 30 years old. Uh, he starts a ministry. And in that ministry, he preaches about the good news that is to come. He tells everybody that he is the son of God. And then he dies on a cross and then he raises from the dead, and then he gives an invitation to us. This, this baby that we celebrate does this for us throughout his life. And so we, we see at the end of uh, Revelations, Jesus himself in one of the visions says this. He says uh, in Revelations 3 verse 20, he says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and day with me. Amen. And so Jesus is knocking at the door, right? The same way that uh, it, the same way and the same offer that he gave uh, to people back 2000 something years ago is the same offer he gives to us now. Right. He's knocking at our door. Uh, who here is going to be having guests over for Christmas, like any family or anybody in town for Christmas or traveling to like go somewhere else for Christmas, potentially or around the season? Yes. No. Maybe so. Right. What? Um. When, when y'all, uh, what's it called? When you have guests coming over, what do you usually do? Like, it doesn't even have to be for like a long stay. What do y'all like usually do? Clean. Clean? Okay, that's one. What y'all do? You make food, right? You prepare something for them, right? Anything else? What y'all be doing for your guests? Okay, y'all yeah, don't be too nice. It sounds like your moms are the ones doing the things for the guests. But, Hopefully y'all understand that when guests are coming, uh, you need to make room for them. You need to prepare the space for them because you want them to feel invited in that space. And so um, I'm going to list three common reasons why uh, we don't like make room uh, for Jesus, right? We don't make the room that we need to for him. Or three different responses to when Jesus knocks on the door. Um, and you might fall into any of these responses, multiple, um, and we'll hopefully try to move everyone towards the right response. So the first one is that we make no room at all, 
right? Have y'all had those people knock on your door and like you like you like turn off your lights, you like have like backup, and you hope they didn't realize that you noticed that they knock on the door because you're not about to let them in. And if anybody had any of those people knock on your door before? <laughs> right? So sometimes we do that to, to Jesus, and these are people who have not accepted the Lord. Like you have made no room for Jesus. And sometimes that's for a few couple of reasons, right? Sometimes it's because you've been hurt, right? It, it, it's because maybe you, you trusted or you wanted to trust in the Lord and you were disappointed. Um, or you've been hurt uh, in the church, right? You've been hurt by people around the church. And because of that, you don't want to actually let uh, Jesus in to the house, right? You don't want to let him into your heart because you're like, yo, like I've tried this before. It didn't work. Um, or you might be a person who has doubt, right? You have questions. You're like, all right, so the Bible says this, but it also says that, right? So I, I see the Bible says this, but I see Christians doing that. So like there's a lot of doubt in your heart about like, why would I accept Jesus if um, all of these things don't line up? So there's a doubt aspect. Um, and the third one reason why you might not make room for him at all is indifference. And I feel like this is the biggest one here that we need to like unpack because um, you don't see the difference that Jesus will make in your life. You're like, all right, I go to school. School is like, okay. And even when school isn't okay, like things work out. So like, I'm like, I'm fine. Like it's like, I'm living my life. I'm doing the thing that I need to do. Like I, yeah, like I'm doing all right. <laughs> right. And so this whole Jesus thing sounds cool, but like actually I'm okay without it, right? And that's a, that's a level of indifference that comes to it. And we're going to come back to this level of indifference that I've experienced and, like, honestly, like, have to unroot over and over again, right? So that was the first reason. We don't make room for Jesus at all. That's some of the uh, responses that people have. Um, the second response some people have is that they make room for Jesus, but, like, only on the margins of our life, right? Only on the ends of our life. So that looks like we let Jesus in so he doesn't have to start standing in the cold. You're like, yeah, I accept Jesus. But then once he's in, you're like, okay, like, uh, like that room over there is like yours. We got some things going on. If you need anything, like holler at us and we'll get it for you, right? Like you kind of put Jesus in a room and you're like, uh, yeah, you just, you just, you just kind of put him there. Um, and he's basically, Jesus is there for your convenience. It's like, if you want some chips, there's some chips in the cabinet. If you want some water, there's some water right there. Uh, but he doesn't have access to your house, right? It's like you're in, but you, you don't have access to much, right? Um, and, and the guest room, the room's already occupied by other things. They're already occupied by other people. Um, and we, we like it as is, right? It could be family. It could be work. It could be friends. And it could also be leisure. You're just like, yo, like, yeah, I'll entertain Jesus when, like, I don't have anything better to do. Uh, I've scrolled on my feed. Like, I already caught up on everything. I read all the stories. People are having a good time, right? Like, it's like... If I don't have anything to do this weekend, then uh, that's when uh, I'll make time uh, for the Lord, right? So it's you, essentially, we let Jesus in, but we kind of push him to the corner. Um, and we don't, like, remove other things from our life to actually make space for him. Um, and that's what it looks like to, to live with Jesus on the margins. And a, a common way you'll see this is that, like, Jesus actually makes no difference in your life, right? It makes no di- he makes no difference in how you spend your time. He makes no difference in how you're choosing to navigate or make decisions, right? It's like your life right now looks no different. It uh, doesn't look much different uh, than the fact that you claim um, to, to know the Lord. You're not, you're not giving him access to everything. Um, and so we're going to talk about the final response, which is the response I hope that we will all have um, to Jesus when he knocks on our doors, right? And he is constantly knocking on our doors. Um, and it's to not only let him into your house, 
but it is to give him access to every room in that house and to also work with him to clean every room in that house, right? So what does it look like? It's like, we let, first I said, we let Jesus into the door, right? And to do this, we need to like tackle the issue of like indifference, right? You don't think you, we mentioned, I mentioned this right before, it's like you don't think you need Jesus. Um, and you think you can, the life that you have is okay. And that's like a faith issue because the Bible tells us in John 10, 10, that Jesus is like, I came so, it says the, the thief uh, came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you will have life more abundantly, right? That is a promise of the Lord. He's like, wherever your life is right now, if you let me in fully, like you will have life more abundantly, right? And so indifference comes from a place of lack of faith. Like you lack faith that what the Lord is doing is better than what you have currently. You're like, it can't really get much better than this. Or like, I'm okay with the way life is. And God is like, and Jesus himself is like, yo, like, I will give you life more abundantly if you let me in, right? So this is a faith issue. We need to trust that he wants to give you life more abundantly, right? Jesus left heaven to come to earth to give you something you couldn't get on your own. Like he left the majesty of heaven to come down for that. And so it's really important to understand that like, the, the way things are in your life right now, like Jesus came to address really two big things, right? He came to address the, the weakness of us. This is like human limitations. Who here has human limitations? Like you just like, you, there are things as humans that make life hard, right? You gotta sleep, you gotta eat, you get tired, you get mad, right? Some of these things are just like inherently human things. They're not actually like, issues per se, right? It's just like, I I can't stand up when like heavy things are on me, right? Or when I'm stressed, I like want to go and be by myself, right? Like these are like the reality of being human. And Jesus actually experienced a lot of these human things and you see him continuously cry out to the Father, right? So Jesus never sinned in his life, but he was completely dependent on the Father, right? How much more us who uh, are human and we do sin. Like, how much more do we need the Father, right? And so, Jesus came to address our human weakness and then the issue of sin in our lives, right? To, to address the fact that we're in shackles to bondage. And so, when we are indifferent, when we're like, yo, like, I'm okay with the way things are. I'm not going to make room for the Lord. I'm not going to make time for the Lord. That comes from a place of indifference and a lack of faith that, like, the way you are right now is, like, the, like, is... It's not where the Lord wants you to be. And he has so much more for you if you trust. Um, and so to let Jesus in, we have to let him into the door, right? We need to kick out the guests in the house, right? Like what, what are the other things that are occupying the rooms in your life, right? Is it uh, your future, right? Is it like what you want to do so much for school that like you've never made time for the Lord, right? Is it the arguments that you may be having with your parents that like take a bigger room in your heart where it's like, I'm not even gonna make time for the Lord because like I'm upset right? It's like, what are the other things occupying the rooms in your life? You need to name what they are and get then re remove them, right? That's an act of repentance. And then you have to, like, partner with Jesus to, like, rearrange your house, right? You need to partner with Jesus to rearrange your house. Um, and, like, if you do those three things, it's like you are letting Jesus in and you're giving him permission to change the things up in your life. Um, and so, like, I just... I just really want to emphasize this as we're entering into this time. Like, Christmas is an amazing time. Like, I'm not here to 
like to, to poop on anybody's Christmas, bro. Like Christmas is great. Like the savior of the world is like we're about to celebrate the, the, the greatest thing ever. Um, and we need to do it from a place where we're not just like looking for like holidays. We're not just looking forward to the holiday, but really like the holy day, if that makes sense, right? It's not just the, the celebration, but like the holy thing that happens on that celebration. Um, and so we need to like press into Jesus in this season. Like that is like the crux of the message. That's the base of the message. Like we need to press into Jesus um, in this season, right? We can't be so busy preparing for the arrival of Christmas that we forget to prepare for the arrival of Christ. Um, and so we need to give Jesus access to all of these things in our life.